0: Welcome to another edition of the FireEye Eye on Security podcast. I'm your host, Luke McNamara, Principal Analyst here at FireEye. Joining me today to talk about cloud security, we have Martin Holste, CTO of Cloud, Chris Schreiber, Product Strategist, and JR Wakes, Security Principal Engineer. Welcome, gentlemen. Thanks. So I think to, to kick, kick this off, uh, Martin, I'll turn this over to you. But as we're looking at uh you know how our customers are thinking about this um are there still many organizations that we're working with who are concerned with moving to the cloud and what does that look like what are the specific sort of questions they have around doing that
1: yeah there are still a few um, we We see them typically in organizations that already have massive investments and in data centers and things like that. so there's uh, it's it's interesting, especially within the financial sector because they tend to be early adopters for tech because finance is so tied to tech in so many different ways. and yet you see this kind of breakdown where I'd say eighty to ninety percent of financials are moving to cloud as quickly as possible. Uh so you've got some really fast movers like uh Sally Maybank, for instance, who moved everything to the cloud in something like four months, which was incredible uh and then you have some of the larger banks that you know have thirty plus data centers and they're being a lot more conservative about how quickly they're moving and that that may mean different things for different places and f- If you look at that compared to you know a typical enterprise that may have something like you know ten thousand employees um You know, a a large bank that claims that they're keeping stuff mostly on-prem may have moved the same number of servers into the cloud that, you know, an org of of 10K people has in in its entirety, right? So it's all kind of relative. Uh, But you do see a little bit of that reluctance, but it's become vastly uh, the minority in in the last year even. You go back two years, I would say it was probably 60-40 split, maybe maybe 70-30, where uh, the majority were still going to cloud, but now we're at 80, 20, maybe 90, 10. Uh, so it's it's pretty unusual to find a company that has a hard and fast rule. Uh, what I find to be more the case is specific regional requirements. So I tend to find a number of customers, we'll call it maybe 30%, that have a, a specific place the data has to reside for usually um, uh, legislative reasons or you know just regulations in general. And it's kind of interesting when you, you break those things down, because I find of those customers, probably half of them have misinterpreted the rules or, you know, either accidentally or on purpose to, you know, maybe f- fulfill political, you know, within the company mandate. But if they are saying, oh, no, we have to keep this data here, when you get into the rules, often that's not the case. But there are a few regions in particular that, that have really hard and fast rules about that. And, and I won't get into all the politics uh, around why that happens, but that, that does happen. So in, in general, I don't find very many companies at all that are saying, oh, I can't go to the cloud, but they may be specific about the region in which their data can be. And so that may dictate you know, which cloud they could go into uh, just for that. And among the cloud providers, you find them kind of jockeying for position because it's, it costs them a lot of money to build out their data centers in specific regions. And so they're being very careful about uh, trying to make sure they have enough presence in enough strategic places. And this kind of feeds a cycle uh, politically because then lobbying takes place when, uh, you know, and I think this was known from the start, governments realize, hey, if we make a a law that says you can't move your data out of the country, that'll increase our, our local tax base because you'll have to build data centers here. And so we'll have more jobs, et cetera. And so that's kind of the downside that you see with a lot of this cloud stuff is that Instead of making things easier, sometimes it'll make it harder that way where things are more hard and fast where you have to keep it in a specific place, even though it's not necessarily natural.
0: And for other things, you you mentioned kind of data sovereignty and and those regional requirements. But what are some of the other issues that you see sometimes where maybe it's misconceptions that organizations have uh, around moving and and migrating to the cloud? What are some of those other things that come to play when that may be hampering the decision to, to move there?
1: Well, I really do think it comes down to doing the homework and figuring out exactly what the case is. And and again, this often the big thing I see going to cloud in general is a change in in Infotech leadership. So, like a new CIO is is a good good telltale sign that if you're on prem, you're going cloud. If you have a a cloud mandate, you know they may want to pull back just to kind of make a name for themselves. It's not you know every Uh, time that happens. But typically I do see a course change when there's new uh, executive leadership. And so that will often spur this. And because of that sort of political impetus, that's where you start to see things happen, not from a, you know, necessarily what's best for the technology or even necessarily what's best for the business, but just because of the the politics in play, that may be the case. And I find that because when you dig in, there are very few, you know, hard and fast rules Uh, something just came up in in sort of a related thing with um, Google and healthcare, and people were wondering about, well, is this going to be a a privacy implication with HIPAA data? And when you look at the actual HIPAA law, it says, well, healthcare providers can share the data with their tech partners, as long as, you know, it abides by certain things. And so if you dig into it, actually, it isn't nearly as restrictive as one might think, just sort of conventionally think, oh, well, My health data has to stay exactly here. Well, not exactly. You know, the letter of the law says one thing, and uh, you have to look at at how that gets implemented. And and the same takes place then with any regulations for cloud in general, and and where that data can go. Is you know, you may think it says something, but when you actually look at it, it's generally a lot less restrictive than you would
2: think. And so, in addition to to what Martin was sharing, I would also say that I also see a common misconception of organizations wanting to take all of their security controls that they have in place for on-prem solutions and just migrate those directly to the cloud. And while they have the best intent, it also requires that they start to think about the new types of threat vectors and threat landscape that's targeting the the cloud. And, and with that comes a bunch of different options in terms of Controls, So you don't necessarily have to do a a lift and shift of all those security controls, but it's something that you need to to think out and start to look at what options are available for protecting your cloud environment. So
0: you'd mentioned the the sort of threat uh, vector, threat landscape uh, for clouds. Let's get into that a little bit. When we look at what we've seen uh, to date in terms of threats to cloud infrastructure, maybe even the utilization of of cloud infrastructure for other sorts of of cyber operations, What do we typically see and what are the sort of things that organizations need to be
1: aware of in securing uh, their cloud infrastructure? So the big thing that we are seeing just all across the board is phishing in general. And it seems kind of counterintuitive to think of emails being a cloud security thing, even though I think most people associate uh, email with cloud. Most most orgs are doing cloud based email at this point. And yet that is the number one uh, cloud security item is just to make sure that you have rock solid email security, because that's where we're seeing all the attackers come in. And it, I think that's kind of interesting because historically, whenever there's, you know, a big shift in technology, the, the tech itself would be attacked. And what we're seeing now is it's really just credential abuse for the most part, or at least taking advantage of the inherent vulnerabilities of the content that runs on the clouds. That might be web app vulnerabilities. And I talk about this a lot with customers where, and and JR was just mentioning uh, the lift and shift. So if you have a vulnerable web app and it's running on-prem, and then you move those servers to the cloud, it's still a vulnerable web app. It's just now in the cloud. And for a lot of orgs that are new to it, uh, they may not put the right permissions on the, the web servers that are running there. And so they may have you know, cloud-based permissions to do all kinds of things. And those get especially interesting because suddenly at that point, you're right back to credential misuse, where if you have a valid login or API key, suddenly you can do all kinds of things. And I think that's one of the biggest kind of jumps for an organization from a security perspective to make, is to understand that IP addresses play no part for the most you know, most of the time. Uh, In this arena, now you can restrict things to certain IP spaces. And I recommend customers do that, which sounds a little, you know, sort of anti-cloud in a way. I mean, most most people would think that, well, cloud, you don't have IP addresses, the sort of zero trust model. Um, That's not true. There's still a lot of IP addresses that are relevant. And so I do recommend people use that. But in general, you're looking at credentials. And so if some basically an attacker is trying to find any way, you know, the cheapest, easiest way to get a credential and more than 50% of the time that is through a phishing attack. And so really from a, from that perspective, it turns all of the, the tasks that you need to conduct as, as a security professional for cloud into a, a question of are things being, uh, are, are, are logins being used the way that I expect them to be used? And that becomes a business question, and not so much of a, a technology question, or at least you know less of a, a bits and bytes question. So you know previously on prem you'd have uh, firewalls looking at specific content going through them, things like that, with like intrusion detection and and all those different tech. And now it's a lot more about getting the relevant data that you need from these applications, so that you can understand is the app being run correctly, is the cloud infrastructure that operates the app being run co- correctly, and not Worrying as much about, or I shouldn't say not worrying about it, but not um, having to deal so much with attackers trying to break down the front door or find clever ways uh, to to bypass the front door. It's much more just walking through the front door with uh, somebody else's key card, You know, to put a, a physical uh, example to it. So that's the big shift that we're seeing right now.
0: But I think that's a very good point that really gets at to how credentials, you know, have the potential to even, be, even become more important than they are now with their their usage in this infrastructure. So what I would imagine things like identity management, all that becomes much more important. How might organizations, you know, have to shift in how they think about some of these things because of the importance of of now the infrastructure they're utilizing uh, with respect to cloud?
1: So the big shift that you you are seeing is trying to track who did what. Um, So I think back to Google did a great job years ago with with Gmail uh, when they started putting in uh, the IP address last logged in from, I thought that was really pioneering uh, for just you know, any average Gmail user could go through, go and it's still there today. If you go to the bottom of, of a Gmail inbox, it'll show uh, login activity. And you can click there and, go, and drill in and find out what are all the last, you know I think it's like five or 10 IPs that have logged into my Gmail. Now they have two-factor, all those kinds of things. And that's because when you think about the millions of, of users on Gmail, uh, they're, you know again, very pioneering and so, all the things that you need to do to secure a Gmail account are the same things you need to to do to secure any other cloud account. So, whether that's in you know Amazon or Azure or or Google Cloud, you know the big cloud providers, or software as a service, so you know, Salesforce, ServiceNow, all those kinds of things. And the question is, okay, who's logging into this thing? What are they doing? And then that extends sort of a layer deep into your services. So, the services that you're running on cloud. And it's the same question. Okay, we don't have direct access to all the things, uh, but we do have data, and at the end of the day, it, that's what that's what's critical. Knowing that did the data that we have stay where we expect it to, and that comes down to the commands issued by uh, people logged in at a you know very low level, and so being able to track that all the way back becomes the the critical item. And Chris, I'll I'll direct this
0: question to you, but how do security organizations now have to evolve to take on some of these threats? Um, either the technology they're using for monitoring, maybe even some of the, the, the structure and how they think about these uh, things, how they organize teams, how are customers evolving, how need they evolve uh, to address this?
3: Building off what Martin was describing, uh, I think organizations need to instill a level of rigor that may not have been there before. Uh, they, they really need to understand how their identities are allocated, how they're being tracked, making sure that they're architecting all that in. Uh, oftentimes when people first adopt the cloud, they go one of two ways. They, they overanalyze where they, they kind of sit there and uh, take forever to decide how they're gonna do it, or they just kind of throw it out there, uh, maybe turn the keys over to a developer. And uh, oftentimes those are the situations where we see organizations have some of those misconfigurations or overly permissive uh, user access. Uh, So I I think it it really goes back to that that DevOps concept where security needs to be at the table up front, uh, taking a look at how do we instrument uh, authentication activity? How do we instrument uh, data flows as we're having these hybrid environments with maybe some data is still in a data center, other data is up in somebody's cloud, or maybe even ephemeral things where there's not even a server, uh, where they're just leveraging services. Uh, And so I think Having that rigor to understand how you're architecting your applications, how your data is flowing, keeping the focus on the data and the authentication is really important as organizations take a look at how to design their their cloud-ready security posture. And for
0: customers that are struggling with some of these challenges, Jr. What are some of the things yeah, so that we see look too customers far at to...
2: all different stages of that migration lifecycle with with cloud? And where I've seen us be able to to really assist is in all different uh, components or all different uh, steps of the the way. So from early adoption, where they're designing and and trying to plan what that migration looks like, our Mandiant consulting team can assist with helping to build out um, and develop what that program looks like, what that architecture looks like. Uh, for customers that have already started to, to migrate to the cloud, we can begin to take a look at that and perform assessments against that to ensure that those common misconfigurations that, that Martin and Chris had mentioned do not exist. And if they do exist, give them guidance on how to remediate those. Essentially, our consulting can help along that whole life cycle, whether it's at the beginning planning stage, whether it's in the the middle development stage, or even one that's already been deployed, we can help out from an assessment perspective.
0: Fantastic. And for individuals, organizations
2: looking to learn more about that? Our website at fireeye.com and look under solutions and services. And from there, you'll see a whole list of all of the services that our consulting team provides. And I would call out of interest would be our Mandiant cloud assessment services. And that will be specific to the items that I just mentioned.
0: Excellent. Thank you so much to Martin, uh, Chris and JR for this great discussion around cloud security.